Well, this morning, you know, obviously we are in this new year and things are kicking in, but I want to make sure that we start the year off focused in the right place and really to get us into a, a really a proper perspective. And so I know that there are lots of, of things that are happening, yes, all around us, but how many of you know that God is still good? That God is still working and God will bring about his purposes in our lives. And so I believe that it's important, just as we were just talking about, I can't encourage you enough to participate in this 21 days of prayer and fasting. I've been doing this for years now and it's one of the greatest strengths and blessings of my life. And I look forward to it every year. I I really considered at the end of November, I was like, maybe I should do it in December and then I'll do it again in January. And I thought, hmm. That may not be the best idea, but I did take some extra time there in December just because of what we had been walking through and just spending some extra time with the Lord. And I would encourage you to um, really set this time aside. And it's, it's not as important what you do as why you do it. Don't get hung up on what, figure out why. The ultimate goal of fasting is to bring us closer to God. So anything that we do should always be with the intention and the goal of bringing us closer to the Lord. And so, but I also know that as this new year is beginning, is that we need to take steps towards listening and hearing from God. You know, part of 21 days of prayer and fasting is to turn down the noise. It's to get rid of some of the distractions so that we can hear the voice of God. This is what I know and this is what I can tell you is that God speaks to you. Every single one of us, not just me because I'm a pastor. No, he speaks to you because he's your, he's your father and he wants you to hear his voice. Now, what happens even for me is that life gets loud and the voice of God can become very quiet and almost drowned out because so much is happening. And so I need to turn off the TV. I need to turn down the noise, right? So what I can hear from God and when I make the priority of hearing from God, He speaks and I can hear. And when I hear from God, it gives me the confidence to begin to act in that manner. And so one of the things that you say, well, why is it important to hear from God? Number one, because he's God. Number two, none of us are together as much as we think we are. I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands, but let me just help us all out. None of us have got this thing all figured out. None of us have just got everything where it needs to be, how it needs to be. And so we need the wisdom and the help of God to speak to our hearts. Why? Because we don't see everything. You know, it's like when you're driving your car, you got a blind spot. You know, now we got these fancy cars and they got little signals that say, hey, don't go right. Because there's something over there. If you, if you, if you try to change lanes right now, you're probably going to hit something and your car will start beeping at you. My dad's truck will start vibrating at you, vibrates the seat. The first time I was driving his truck, I was like, what in the world was that? And, uh, you know, it kind of spooked me a little bit. And, you know, so why? Because we're too distracted driving. So, I mean, you know, I won't get on that, but because I'm very guilty of that. My wife will tell you. But there's so much in our life. And so it, it, it matters that we hear from God because God wants to speak specifically to your heart. 
You know, many times I can share scripture and I can uh, share a message with you and, and I can deliver what God has placed in my heart. And it many times can be the general, but how does that play in your life specifically? And how are you to take that message and apply that to your life? And what does God expect you to do with the word that you've heard? That's why you need to hear from God because he will give you the specific information about where you're at. And he knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly what you're facing. But if we rely upon ourselves to figure it all out, guess what we're missing out on? God's best for our life. And so we need to hear from the Lord. And so, you know, this morning I'm going to be talking about prayer, but it's really why we're taking this time and praying. And what I believe is part of the ultimate goal of why we do 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so even the act of prayer is really a recognition or the acknowledgement that, hey, I need help. I don't have this figured out. I don't have all the answers. I don't have everything that I need. And so I go to God and it's really is me acknowledging, it's really me admitting, God, I need you. And if we're honest, even just with ourselves, I would ask you, when is the last time you prayed that prayer? When was the last time that you honestly went to God and said, God, I need you? Not like in some church, like, oh yeah, we need God. And no, I mean like, The cry of your heart is, God, I am up a creek and I have no paddle and I need you. Like, not desperate, but desperate. Like, there's a a longing for this connection with God. And and prayer is what? Our acknowledging of of that we need God, but it also opens the door for God to bring us the answers and the solutions that we need. Is that we do that through prayer. It's not just something that we say. There's actual real spiritual strength and energy and power that comes. And it takes faith to pray. I mean, there have been times that I have prayed and I'm thinking, I wonder if anybody hears me other than the ceiling of the room. So that means I have to pray beyond what my thought may tell me and pray that what? That just what the Bible says is that God's ear is open and he hears the cries of his children and he responds to them. It actually goes on to say that his arm is not short, that he cannot reach us or that he doesn't want to. He wants to, but we have to be in a position really of humility to come to God. And the problem many times, at least for me, not saying this about you, for me is I want to do it on my own. I can figure it out. I got this. I'm just going to tough it out. I'm going to power through it. I'm just going to keep going. Yeah, but I'm not built to be independent. And neither are you. We are actually created for dependency upon God. It's the way that we are designed. It's part of what makes our relationship with the Lord work. Is that what? He is the fulfillment of everything that we need. And yet many times we will struggle and we will fight to just do it on our own. And I have tried and I have failed many times trying to do it on my own. And there's a lot of frustration in this. And yet God's word gives us a lot of wisdom and it's a very familiar passage of scripture that I'm gonna start with today. But I believe that this is where prayer has to start. 
If your 21 days of prayer and fasting is going to be effective, it starts in the heart. It's not the external. It's what's happening on the inside that matters. And prayer has a, a massive part to play in this. It's not just 21 days of fasting. It's prayer and fasting. You're not just suffering for Jesus. Right? Well, take one for the team, Lord. You know, that's not what this is about. This is about really coming before the Lord, removing some things that can be distractions from our life so that we can actually move closer in our relationship and our connection with God. In Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse 5, again, it's a very familiar passage of Scripture. It's easy to read. It's hard to live out. But he says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. We could stop right there and do a little evaluation in our own heart. Do you trust the Lord in every part of your life? In every part of your heart? Or are there parts of you, or are there parts of me that are still dependent on me to show up and to make it happen? And yet here it says, trust in the Lord. The Amplified says to confidently or rely confidently or to depend upon the Lord. Let me, let me ask you to know, where's your confidence at today? Is your confidence in your ability or is it in God's ability? Where are you at this morning? 2021 is all out in front of us. But who's in charge of your 2021? Are you? Or is the Lord? Because we're called to live a life that is not our own. We're not called to look like the world. We're actually called to be countercultural and very different than the world around us. And yet one of the ways that this is proven out is in the fact that we really rely on the Lord. The scripture continues here and it says, do not depend upon your own understanding. Don't depend on yourself. It says, seek or acknowledge and recognize that his will in all that you do, in everything that I do, I want to seek the will of God. I want to seek God's purpose and God's plan in my life. It's more than just eating and sleeping and hanging out with my family and going to work and just rinse and repeat, right? There's more to life than that. And yet here it says that we're to seek God's will in all that we do. And here's the good news. It says, when we seek, he will show you the path to take. You're like, well, I don't really have a plan for 2021. God has a plan for you in 2021. And if you will seek him, he will show you the path to take in this year. And it might be a change. It might be a deviation from what you thought. It might be totally something not even on your radar. And yet God wants to show you what he wants and what he wants to bring about in your life this year. What he wants to accomplish through you in this year. And so 21 days is about seeking the Lord. Seek the Lord and he will what? He will show you. Let me say it another way. If you'll seek God, he's going to talk to you. He's going to start to speak to you about where you are, about what's going on in your life. It goes on here and it says, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. You ever had that thought? Like, man, I'm smart. 
And here it says, don't be too impressed by yourself. It says, instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. That word fear there is not like in a, 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 a fearful, afraid way. It's actually in reverence, in honor, in giving priority to the Lord. And it goes on, it says, when you fear the Lord, turn away from evil. It says, then you, uh, you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. See, if we had it all together, if we had this thing all figured out, if all of our plans were perfect, we could trust ourselves. Here's the problem. We are all flawed. We've all got issues. We've all got areas of our life that aren't really what God desires for them to be. And so you don't want to have too much self-trust. You don't want to rely on yourself or your own abilities or, or what you can see. You want to what? Trust in the Lord. I mean, I think, you know, so many times we talk about, you know, the, the idea of being deceived, right? That the enemy comes to bring deception into our life. And, and really, what's deception? It means that you believe something to be true that's not true. But I don't know that the devil is actually the greatest deceptor on the planet. I think it might actually be us to ourselves that we convince our thing, ourselves of things in our life, situations in our life, relationships in our life. Like, let me just give you an example. Somebody says an offhanded comment to you. You walk away, you start getting upset about it, and you, we do what? We replay it in our mind until we're convinced of why they said it. We don't know why they said it. But we know why they said it. Well, they said this, but they were really meant this. As opposed to just picking up the phone and saying, hey, what did you mean by this statement? What? Now we've, we've done had a whole argument in our mind. Like, and I won. You know what I'm saying? Like, I spit out such verbal brilliance. There was no response possible. Like, I am vindicated. You know I'm, I'm, Am I the only one that does that? And then you get into the conversation and it goes, nothing like you thought. You're like, well, that didn't quite work out. Why? Because that's us trusting in our own understanding. I've had moments like that where I have lawyered up and I'm ready. I'm going uh, to be jury, judge, and executioner. Let's make it happen. We don't need to waste time. And then I pray about it. And I wish I didn't pray about it. Because the Lord wants to talk to me and tell me about why I'm wrong and why my attitude stinks and how I need to walk in forgiveness and how I need to walk in love. And I don't want to have that conversation. Man, I don't know if you've ever been this way, but I have where I just want to go, Lord, stop it. Leave me alone. But what he is speaking to me and I have found when I will actually walk in accordance to the wisdom that God speaks to me, my life is a lot better. I actually have peace. I'm not frustrated. But yet when I will just rely upon myself and what I know, I'm going to have those arguments in my head. And I'm going to get all bent out of shape on something that's actually nothing. As opposed to allowing the Lord to speak to my heart and to change me.
See, God is after change in us. But it's not up to us to do it. I'll share that with you here in a few minutes. You know, I've been reading a a book here over the last week or two, and there's a statement that was made in it. And it really stuck out to me. And it says, as human beings, we don't live life based on facts of our experiences. We don't live life based off the facts of our experiences, but upon our interpretation of the facts. See, we want to say, well, I know exactly what's going on. I know exactly what's happening. I know exactly what needs to to transpire in this moment. But the truth is, is that many times is that we will interpret events that happen to us. And so therefore, that's the lens in which we view the world. Let me give you an example of this. A few weeks ago, a little more than that, I don't know, a month or so ago, um, we took my son and daughter to get some vaccinations. You know, Max is going to school. He had to have certain things, blah, blah, blah. So when I was a five-year-old kid getting ready to go to school, I was not a good patient. I'm still not a good patient. And uh, so I'd like to say that I've grown, but I haven't. And uh, maybe a little bit in this regard. But, but I had an experience when I was five years old. And this is what I remember. They took me to the doctor. I saw a needle. I freaked out. Like big time freak out, you know. They had to have a very large male come and hold me just so they could give me one shot. So Dare's like, we got to go get the kids some shots. And guess what comes to mind? My son is five years old. I remember when I was five years old, this is going to be horrible. So we go to the doctor and guess what? It wasn't horrible. Surprisingly, thank the Lord. I actually told Dare, I was like, man, that was easy. They were, they were nothing like me. But what? I was interpreting an experience by a previous experience. And what happens is, is that many times there are facts that we see. Let me give you another example. And this one's true for all of us. A few months ago, we all went through some things called hurricanes. We've all experienced a pandemic. But how many of you know, not all of us see those situations and circumstances the same. As a matter of fact, I have been with people who have lost everything, who have an amazing reality and perception as to their situation. They have this resilience about them that, hey, it's just stuff. And I'm blown away. And they're like, we'll rebuild. It'll be fine. And then I've also encountered people who lost very little, who you would think have lost everything. So you both walked through the same storm. You both lived and existed. You didn't lose much, but you're falling apart. You lost everything and you're like, God's good. God's faithful. We're going to rebuild. The facts are the same, but the interpretation is very different. See, in so many times in our life, this is such a powerful thing. It's how we see things. And this is why we need to pray. And this is why we need to hear from the Lord. Because our perception of things will be off. You know, one of the things that Pastor Sam shared uh, Thursday night from the I Predict message was this. And it really uh, resonated because I was already working on this message and already knew the direction. And then when he said it, I was just like, hmm, that, that lines up. And he, but one of the things that he said in the days to come is that lifestyle prayers will segue into life-altering prayers. Now, a lifestyle prayer is this. Lord, bless me. Lord, take care of me. Let me say it another way. Selfish prayers. Look, and we ought to 
pray and we ought to ask the Lord. We ought to seek the Lord, sure, for the things that we need in our life. I believe in that. But I believe that something that's even more powerful is a life-altering prayer. Like a defining moment prayer. See, I believe that part of what 21 days can do for you is it will bring you to a place of a life-defining prayer. Not a casual prayer, not a flippant prayer, but a very heartfelt, earnest prayer that says, God, I need you and I need your wisdom and I need you to show up because I don't know what I'm doing. And in the days to come, I believe even when he said that it just resonated in my heart. That we're going to have to start praying some life altering kind of prayers. That God, this isn't about me. It's not about what I want. In Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, this is in the message translation. But it says, here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, not just your Sunday, your everyday ordinary life. You're eating, you're sleeping, you're going to work, you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. One translation says to bring your whole life as an act of worship before God. It says embracing what God wants for you is the best thing that you can do for him. It says don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking about it. In other words, we shouldn't just look like everybody else we work with. We shouldn't sound like everybody else that we work with. People ought to think you're a little strange. A little strange is okay. Weird is not, okay? Let's just say that. Why? Because we are different. We live differently. But they also ought to know that, hey, when I need prayer, I know who I'm going to. They might make fun of you, but it's amazing how they'll make fun of you when things are good. But when things aren't good, you're the first person they're going to come to. And they'll ask questions like, hey, do you believe that God actually answers prayer? That'll be a question. Well, sure I do. Would you pray with me? Absolutely. We're to take our everyday life as an act of worship to God. In verse 2, the passage translation says to stop imitating the ideas and the opinions of the culture around you. It says, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation. Let me use another word that's a little more to our culture. Renovation. God wants to renovate the way that we think. He says, this will empower you to discern or to recognize or to understand God's will. Have you ever prayed the prayer that says, God, what should I do, A or B? You need to discern the will of God to know if it's A or B. That's why discernment matters. It's, a, it's, it's having the understanding of this is the right decision. This is the right direction. It says, so this will empower you to discern what God's will is as you live a beautiful life. That is satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Now this is what we have to know. And this is what we have to understand. Because it's easy for something like 21 days of prayer. To just be another thing that we do. Or it's just an external thing. But here's the thing. It is not about the external. God does not want what? Behavior modification. That's not what God wants for us. He's not after behavior modification. He and he is important. Because it's not us who does this. He wants to transform us with his power in our lives. 
But that's going to require that what? That we go to him to transform our life. If we trust in ourselves and we look to ourselves, guess who's responsible for changing us? Us. The problem with that is that we are limited to our ability to change. But when it's God who is the one transforming and it's God, the one who is working in us. Now I'm not limited to what I can do. I'm actually only limited by what God can do. You're only limited by what God can do when you go to him and you seek after him. That's why I encourage you to participate in 21 days of prayer and fasting. But there has to be an element of prayer. The devos that I mentioned earlier, they're just a way to help you. Kind of give you a path to walk. That's all those are for. But see, I believe that beginning the year on the right foot is critically important. And I believe that we need to begin it in the presence of God. Not doing all these other things. I believe that we need to, as we were singing about earlier, we need to make room for God in all aspects of our life. You know, there's an old song, but I love this lyric. And it says, to you, O God, my life is like an open book. Here I am, God. Whatever is in me, whatever needs to be worked on in me, I'm wide open. I'm not reserving anything. I'm not holding anything back. I'm just asking you to speak to me. Because God knows the areas of my life that aren't what they need to be. He knows the areas of your heart that aren't what they need to be, that he wants them to be. And I'll go back to what I said earlier. If you're just laying some things aside, setting some things aside without praying, all you're doing is just self-denial. And there are lots of religion in the world that practice self-denial. But self-denial does not bring about transformation. It lacks the ability or the power to actually change us from the inside out. That's the power. And so as we begin to pray, as we'll continue to combine prayer with our fasting, it opens up the door. It creates some space for God to come in and feel and for God to come in and work. And what actually begins to happen is that our desires actually become God's desires. No longer am I asking God to do what I want. Now I start asking God, what do you want me to do? There's a difference here. Now I want to give you an example of of a life-altering prayer from Scripture. And it comes out of the book of Matthew, chapter 26. Now this is the story of Jesus right before he goes to the cross. He goes to a place called the Garden of Gethsemane, which was an olive grove. But other uh, gospels say that as was his normal, as was his custom. In other words, this wasn't the first time he'd come to this olive grove. This wasn't the first time that he had come and prayed. This was normal. Like the disciples probably knew Jesus is coming here to pray. And it says here that Jesus went with them to the olive grove, called Gethsemane, said to them, to all the disciples, he said, sit here while I go over there and pray. But he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. Why? Because the weight of the moment is really starting to hit him. 
And he says, and Jesus told the three, he says, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. He said, stay here and keep watch with me. That word watch is to pray. He's not saying like, hey, be on the lookout. Don't let anybody come disrupt me. Like, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, you guys need to be praying. So Jesus goes a little farther and he bows his face to the ground and prays and says, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet not what or not yet. I want your will to be done, not mine. That's a life altering prayer. It really is. So Jesus goes once and he prays. He comes back and it says that he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. Now, what did he tell them to do? Watch, pray. Let me just help you out. It's hard to pray while you're sleeping. You know, I'm just going to let you know. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, couldn't you even watch with me for even an hour? He says, keep watch and pray so that you would not give in to temptation. So you could actually say it this way, is that prayer actually prepares us for what's coming. Even what we don't know is that when we pray, God will prepare us for even what's ahead that we don't see. There's a powerful statement that Jesus makes here to to Peter specifically, but to the three. He says, for the spirit is willing, but the body or the flesh is weak. See, your spirit, man, actually wants to connect with God. It's this flesh, it's this body, it's these earthly desires that get in the way. Because your spirit desires a real, vibrant relationship with God. But yet, the flesh wants Dr. Pepper. You know what I'm saying? Like, And it's amazing to me how, when I set time aside to go pray, it's amazing to me how many things I remember that I have forgotten. Oh, I was supposed to do this and I was supposed to do this and I was supposed to call this person. I need to take care of that. It's a, do you think that that's not just happenstance? Or do you think that's the enemy trying to distract you? Why? Because he knows that when you pray that there's something powerful that happens. See, the enemy wants to keep us away from anything that would give us strength. And yet here Jesus is telling them, guys, look, you need to get prepared because something's coming. So Jesus goes again. I'm not going to read the rest of this passage, but I'm going to tell you what happened. Jesus, so he tells them that, hey, the spirit's willing, the flesh is weak. Y'all stay here and watch. I'm going to go over here and pray. He goes over here and prays, comes back, finds them asleep again. He's like, wake up. Like you guys don't understand what's about to happen. Now I can't absolutely, from scripture, support this per se, but I wonder If Peter had prayed, would he have denied Jesus? Because Jesus told him, if you'll pray, you won't give in to temptation. But he didn't pray. Now, here's the good news. God was still faithful. God was still good to Peter. I mean, who was the one who got up really at the inception or the birth point of the church? It was Peter. So just because we've messed up doesn't mean God writes us off. And that's good news for all of us. God will work with us. God will will come alongside of us. But it goes on and it says that Jesus goes and prays a third time. And he prays the same prayer. Not my will, but your will be done. Your will is more important than my will. 
In verse 20, or I'm sorry, in Luke's account of this same thing, here in verse 42 and 43, Jesus prays this third time. He says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And then it says, then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. Why did it take the third time for the angel to show up? I don't know. But this is what I know, is that when Jesus got to a place of a life-altering prayer, is that an answer from heaven came, and strength came, and wisdom came, and what he needed came. Why? Because he had set time aside, he was praying, he was listening for the heart of God. See, and as I'm wrapping up this morning, this is what I want you to know. Is it 21 days of prayer? The ultimate goal is to bring us to the end of ourself. At the end of last year, towards the, the really the, probably day 19, 20, 21. Because many people have asked me through the years, like, why do you do this? And I didn't really know how to, I was like, I don't know. It just does so much for me. And, and I would try to explain it. And then last year, it was like the Lord just kind of helped me to see it. Is it what I do during 21 days that's different than the 340 whatever days left of the year? Is that I get to a place at the end of myself where I'm like, God, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm done. I'm tapped out. Sometimes that's like day three. <laughs> you know, I'm just being honest with you. Sometimes it's, you know, day four. It's like, whoo, this headache, <laughs> you know? Like, Lord, I just need a little, little caffeine. You understand, right? I mean, you know, just, I mean, you've, you're gracious, God, you know. But I get to these points, but, you know, and those are just natural surfacey things. But I get to day 16, 18, 20, and I'm on my face before God saying, God, all I want is you. I don't need anything else. I don't want what I want. I want what you want in my life. And it brings me to a place of real clarity for my life. And God speaks to me and, and, and he'll show me things that are hindering or limiting what I'm called to do. And he'll do the same for you. He'll begin to show you things, not in a mean way, not in a, just, he's going to highlight it and say, this is, this is an area that I want to help transform you in. It's not about we do it, it's about him doing it. And there's precious moments with the Lord during these times and during these seasons where we just focus on him. And look, and everybody has reasons why we can't. Well, this season's different or I've got this or I've got that. Used to, for me, it was a lot easier. When me and Dara started doing this, it was just me and her. We had no kids. It's like, turn the TV off. Great. Hey, I'm not going to eat today. Don't go to the fridge then. It's a little different when the kid's there and they're like, I'm hungry. And you're like going, oh my gosh. (laughs) Dear Lord, help me. Help me, Jesus. It was a lot easier when we could just control our environment, right? We'd come home. We lived in Kansas and it was cold. Come home, light the fireplace. We had some little chairs sat in front of the fireplace. And we would read our Bible and we would pray. and We put on worship music and it was great and it was easy. And now we're in a different season of life. But it means too much to me. And it produces too much in my life to say, well, this season of life just doesn't warrant this. 
As a matter of fact, I would say the opposite. This season of life actually requires it more. And every one of us can have why we can't. Now, and I will say this again where I started earlier. I'm not here to tell you what to do. That's between you and the Lord. But I encourage you, there is something, some area of your life, there's something that the Lord will ask you to lay aside. To set aside, to, to put it down, temporary. It's not forever. And so even in these seven days of prep, because, and this is why we wrote them, because I know many times people say, well, I don't know what to do. We have seven days to help prepare you for 21 days. This week, every day, starting today, all the way through next Saturday, you can get it on email. You can get it on the app. By the way, if you don't get our church emails, you need to get on your planning center profile and update your email. Or if you don't have a profile, create a profile. Like, how do I do it? Get on the app. You can create your profile right there. So if you don't get it, the email that is, go in there and make sure we've got your right email. Make sure your contact information is correct for us. But that's how we're going to get it. And so it'll help you each day. There's going to be a thought and a tip. Like on Wednesday, the tip is, if you're going to get off caffeine, you probably need to start. That's from experience. But there's a little tip each day. Where do I start? Where do I set the bar? Like, what's my... We're going to help you with that. So that's what those preparation devos are for. It's just to help you walk through the process so that next Sunday, or, you know, you're ready to say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. It's important to define it up front, by the way, just from experience. But I believe that God wants to use this time here at the first of the year to help us to refocus, to really get clarity on what God is wanting and requiring of us during this time and during the season. But I also believe in the results that it produces. It's not just about January. It's about what God wants to do all year long. And all we're doing is taking the first part of our year and seeking God. And when we seek God, I believe that he will speak to us. And it's going to give us clarity on what we need to hear. And so I want to encourage you. I want to pray over you this morning. As we wrap up service, but...